straight away. Um, John, it's great to bring you here again. It is, it is a pleasure. I've been waiting for this. <laughs> and I'm not expecting you to answer every question, but if you could answer three out of my four, I'd be appreciating it. Thank you so much. Praise Yeah, thanks, guys. Um, I was very blessed by your worship, and uh, I love the fact that you, you obviously love the Lord, and you're worshiping, you're not performing. Thank you. I wrote down something that I want to start with. I've got notes because um, you get older, you know? And uh, gosh, when you're young, you can, you're all full of fire and vim and you can do it all. When you get a bit older, you think, what on earth was I talking about? And um, one, of the one of the lessons I've learned, uh, have you noticed quite a lot of preachers have big pauses in the middle of their message. Have you know what that is? And they will tell you that it's, it's for the wonderful truth that they've just shared to sink in. The reality is they've come to a place, they have absolutely no idea what they're talking about, and they don't know where to go next. And usually at that moment, you, you can watch me, because this is what I shall be doing tonight and tomorrow, rush back to the notes. Where was I? Desperate. I'll pick it up. Oh, yeah, I was talking about that, wasn't I? That wasn't what I was going to start with, but never mind. I like this that I saw actually um, on Facebook. Oh, there you are. There's a confession from a friend of mine, dear friend of mine who lives in Israel. When God is going about to take you to a greater level, everything will go crazy. People will disappoint you. Friends will betray you. You will be left all alone. In that very moment, God will be your only source, and he alone will take the glory. Yeah. And that's really what these two days are about. Um, because the, the brief is to take healing to a, the next level, to a, a greater level. You shared my heart. We all long to see more people healed under our hands. We long to see, and we are all asking the questions. You know, we, we, we pray and, and it doesn't work out. What, what went wrong? And, and but the Bible's got an answer for that, actually. I'll start with this, because this is, First of all, my favorite scripture that I just about start, almost every seminar I start with now, um, 1 Corinthians 8 verse 2. I wonder if there's anybody that can quote it. 1 Corinthians 8 verse 2. The man who thinks he knows something does not yet know as he ought to know. I think every teacher ought to have that as their favorite verse. Because the more we learn about God, the more we realize we don't know. The, more, the, the closer we get to him, the more impossible it is to describe him or to understand him. Or so you know, when we're um, young and full of excitement, we, we, th we think we know, but you know, the older we get, we just shrug our shoulders. So here's the scripture that answers that question. 
um, that you that you uh, have, well, I just threw at you from Job. <laughs> Do you have this trouble? I don't remember by verse and chapter. I remember by location on the page. So I know that it's on the right-hand page on the top left-hand corner. That helps you, doesn't it? Job 42. Job has just spent about 35 chapters arguing with God about why he was suffering. This whole book of Job is about healing and suffering. Why? Why? Job wants to know why. He was a righteous man. Why did it all go wrong? Why did it go, why did it go pear-shaped? And then God turns up and Job takes a step back and goes, oh my goodness. And this is what he says. You asked, who is this that obscures my counsel without knowledge? Surely I spoke of things I do not understand. Things too wonderful for me to know. Healing and suffering are too wonderful for us to know. What does that mean? It means this whole thing is actually beyond our comprehension. Job was a, an intelligent guy, probably more intelligent than anyone around today, and he couldn't get it. And he realized that he would never get it. And we have to come to a place when we're, I won't say content, we're never content. We have to come to a place when we can accept that we will never understand healing and miracles. We won't. I used to be a um, crusade director for Reinhard Bonnke, but let me just go back a few years. When I was... Um, I'd been a Christian for five years. Um, I, I, I sort of have in my mind a picture of a of a plant planted in the autumn, and and stuck outside, and it stays alive somehow, but it grows very slowly, um, and then the spring comes, and whoa, it springs into life, and that's, everything is good. And I was a bit like that plant after five years as, as a Christian. I, I was not filled with the spirit and uh, my brother invited me to go to uh, to see Reinhard Bonnke in the big tent the biggest tent in the world um, in Soweto in South Africa in 1984 and I I was there and I'd been trained as a scientist I was a farmer actually and that's my background and my training and and so I've been trained as a scientist and I had a very much a scientific mindset and I had an explanation for everything so you know, I mean, I was feeding of the 5,000, no problem. Everybody brought their lunch, didn't they? Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, I, I had an explanation for everything. And then one day, one, one meeting, um, I was in this meeting. There were about 40,000 people in this tent. It was a big tent. And, and I was watching over that side um, to see what was going on. And people were praying for the sick. And I heard these words. 
now put your hand in the air. And this voice was right in front of me. And so I turned to see what was going on in front of me. And in front of me, facing me, was an African pastor. And he just said to a little girl, girl was about 10 years old, put your hand in the air. And she put her hand in the air like that. And the pastor said to her, no, not that one, the other one. And only then did I notice that her left hand was all twisted and withered like this. And it was half the normal size. And I watched it grow about that fast until it was fully healed. And the scientist in me could not deal with that. And I was thinking, this is a scam. This has to be a scam. There has to be a second arm. I was looking for the other arm that was down the sleeve. And then I thought, no. Um, and I was trying to, all of these ideas were going through my head to try to make sense of something which was beyond my comprehension. Because it didn't fit with my worldview. Isn't it hard to change our worldview? It's a challenge. And then I realized I, had, I was wrong. My worldview was wrong. I just witnessed a creative miracle, something which for mankind was supposed to be completely impossible, and I'd seen it happen. What was I going to do with it? And I realized that there was a whole sort of parallel universe going on that I'd been unaware of, and I wanted in. And that was the moment that changed my life because I said, Lord, this is life I wanted. And do you know it's amazing? He took me through a great journey. And for many years I prayed for hundreds of people and didn't see very many healed, just one or two here or there. And then, and then God told me to start doing schools of healing, which was a joke because... I said, excuse me, God, have you noticed? You know, when I do it, it doesn't work. Um, and, uh, and I started to obey him, and suddenly people started getting healed. And we've been doing this now for about 15 years, and, and when you start on this journey, um, it's up and down. We have some wonderful successes, and then some ones you just, what, what happened there? I don't get that. And, and I, I always say, if you're not willing to handle disappointment, don't start healing the sick. Because a whole lot of stuff goes on that you don't get. And, and you just have to be cool with it. Be cool. Well, you're not going to get it. But the good news is, people get healed. And, and I... I still get such a buzz out of seeing people healed. Um, and it doesn't matter whether it's a headache gone or whether it's somebody getting out of a wheelchair, I get a buzz out of seeing people healed. Um, incidentally, we, we tend to categorize miracles or healings by how difficult we think they are. <laughs> Have you noticed that we do that? Instead of how difficult they are for God. Uh, for God, you know, to make an eye or an arm, it's not, it's not a big deal. He, he knew how to make you. 
He's, he's, yeah, he's made a few million. He can make another one. It, it's just not a big deal for him. But we make it a big deal because we don't know how to do it. And, and that's a wrong mindset. We have to be, understand. Look, the issue that God has with, with us, it's not that he can't do this stuff. The issue that he has, has with us is this. It's our head. It's faith. That's what he's looking for. And the, 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 I find that most of my teaching is actually encouraging people to raise the bar, raise the faith. God is looking for faith. If You know, the Bible says without faith it's impossible to please God. Therefore, the opposite is also true. With faith, it's impossible not to please him. So if we've, if we've just got a little bit of faith, God's into it. But he's waiting for it. We have to remember there were times when even Jesus didn't heal the sick. Because he didn't find any faith there. No faith, no results. If Jesus couldn't do it, then we can't do it. So it, it, the bottom line is that it comes back to that old chestnut called faith. And... And so that's really what these two days are going to be about. But I want to, if it's okay, I want to go back a step. Let's go to John. I'm, I'm, I'm going to be going here a couple of times. John 14, verse 12. John 14, verse 12. Some of you probably can quote this. And I'm making a bit of an assumption that most of us have been involved in healing to some degree, even if it's only just praying for a few people and hoping that something might happen, you know, because we've all... Is that okay? Is that right? Is, is there anybody here who's never done any healing at all? Wave to me if you've never, you don't want to admit it. No, that's all right. Silly question. Um, all right, so we, we, we're... We're all at this place where we've probably done a little bit and don't see much happen. All cool. John 14, verse 12. Jesus says to the disciples, I tell you the truth. Anyone who has faith in me will do what I have been doing. He will do even greater things than these because I'm going to the Father. I, I, I read this so many times and I just thought that's a stupid verse. Ridiculous, you know. He's Jesus, for goodness sake. How can Jesus say that we can do what he did? He's Jesus. And then I realized, I began to realize that that mindset actually comes out of a wrong understanding, a wrong theology, if you like. So is it okay just to start with a bit of theology? Nudge your neighbor and say, wake up, this is going to be good. You see, why I have problems with this verse is because I was thinking that Jesus healed the sick because he was and is the Son of God. And all of that is true, he was and is, the Son of God. 
But I've learned that that's not how he did it. How can I say that? A few scriptures, if it's okay to go through these. John chapter 5, verse 19. These are just, I'm just saying these for the, for the sake of um, you know, those that might want to record what's actually being recorded, which is great. John chapter 5, verse 19 says this. The son can do nothing by himself. That's a powerful verse. Jesus himself confessed he could not do this thing. He could do nothing on his own. Wow. So that's the first thing. John 10, verse 18, says this. John 10, verse 18. No one, this is, he's talking about his life. The reason my father loves me is I lay down my life only to take it up again. Listen to verse 18. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. This command I received from my father. He could not lay down his own life and take it up again without permission. Wow. He's God, isn't he? But when he walked on earth, even Jesus had to have permission from the Father to lay his life down and take it up again. Do you see where I'm going with this? Matthew 26, verse 53. We won't go there, but let me just record it. When, at, when he's arrested, um, and uh, um, he says, do you think I'm leading a revolution? If I, if I wanted, I could call on my father who would send ten legions of angels. These were Jesus' own angels, and he couldn't command them himself. He had to call on the Father to call them. Do you get this? Jesus had laid down his own authority. When he walked on the earth, he'd laid down the authority as the Son. He was no longer, he was always the Son, but he'd laid down his authority and his power. What, how else can we look at this? It, it, it says this. I love this translation in the Phillips. I've got this written down here because otherwise I couldn't remember it. In the Phillips version of Philippians 2, 6-7, it says this. For he who had always been God by nature did not cling to his prerogatives as God's equal, but stripped himself of all privilege. Get that phrase. By consenting to be a slave by nature and being born as mortal man. Jesus in heaven stripped himself of all privilege, all, and came down to earth as a man. And he did not begin his ministry until he'd been filled with the Spirit. And that's the key. He didn't begin, Jesus did not begin his ministry until he'd been filled with the Spirit. And then what does he say? I love this. Oh, this is just 
This blows my socks, as they say. Reinhardt was so funny. He was so naive in so many ways. John, he said one day, we must pull our socks together. I said, no, Reinhardt, that's not how it goes. <laughs> oh, bless him. It's been a privilege to know him. Luke. Luke chapter 4. A temptation. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, he'd just been baptized in the Spirit. And he is led by the Spirit into the desert where he was tempted. And then it says, then he comes back in the power of the Spirit. Luke chapter 4, verse 14. So we're beginning to get a handle on it. And then he says this. The Spirit of the Lord is on me. Some people have called this his manifesto. But it's much more than that. Because it's actually showing us how he did his ministry. The Spirit of the Lord is on me. Because he anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim freedom to the union. Know the scripture. But the point is this. Jesus could do nothing until he was filled with the Spirit. And then Romans tells us the same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives in us. Tell your neighbor. Tell your neighbor. The same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. Tell your neighbor, come on. Are you, are you friends or not? I mean, come on. Tell you. The same spirit who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. All right, now we can make a mutual confession. Say it. The same spirit who raised Jesus from the dead lives in me. Somebody's got it. <laughs> Suddenly, John 14 verse 12 makes sense. Because Jesus said, I'm, you will be able to do even greater things than me because I'm going to the Father. What he meant was this. While he was walking on the earth, because the Spirit of God is the Spirit of Jesus, he couldn't spread him around. But as soon as he'd gone back to heaven, he was free for the Spirit to work everywhere at once. Through us. The same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is now available through every Christian believer. Because the Bible tells us that if we have the Spirit, if, we, if we're saved, we have the Spirit. If we don't have the Spirit, we're not saved. Now, praise God for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Uh, I believe that's a very important part of the process. But actually the disciples were healing the sick and raising the dead uh, and casting out demons before Pentecost. 
So therefore, we praise God for the baptism. In fact, I'm very passionate about it. But, but it's not actually necessary to heal the sick. What matters is, are you born again? Do you have the Spirit living in you? Because if you've got the Spirit living in you, you can do what the Spirit can do. This is, this is the thought that I wanted to share in this session. If you have the Spirit, you can do what the Spirit can do. Can the Spirit can do, it? do it? Then you can do it. Does that, does that help? If, if the Spirit can do it, then we can do it. But the problem is, do we believe it? You see, always the promises of God come with conditions. Um, every promise of God is conditional. You might want to argue that. But they all are, ultimately. The condition here is faith in Jesus. Do you see it in the verse? Jesus says, I tell you the truth, anyone who has faith in me will do what I've been doing. We come to the condition, is faith in Jesus. We're going to look at that later on in a bit more detail. What does it mean to have faith in Jesus? But there's the condition. Without faith in Jesus, it doesn't work. And even, as I said, Jesus went to his hometown and was not able to see in fact, it's quite funny because for, for years, you know, I've read that scripture and it says um, he went to his hometown and he couldn't do many miracles there, only lay his hands on a few sick people and heal them. And I just thought for many years, I was, oh, I'd just like to get to that stage, you know, just, just a few would be good, lay a few hands, would be, one or two, cold's gone, yay! But um, it wasn't happening. So the answer is, the Lord needed to work in my heart and until there was a place of faith. And faith, faith grows with exercise. Have you noticed? It, and, and it's very easy. I, I'm, it's this confession time now. Sometimes I've, uh, I, I, I've been sort of I've got a school of healing coming up, and I'm going, oh my goodness, I hope people get healed, you know. I'm going to look a prune if they don't. And this is all wrong thinking, of course. But I, I go back to my own website, and I start reading some of the testimonies. And I, oh yeah, do you remember that girl that got healed, and that guy who grew, and that girl's leg who grew, and, and that girl who was paralyzed for five years got healed. And, and suddenly, you know, you read the stories, that's why we've got the Bible, so we can read the stories. Yeah. And, 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 and it does something for your faith. You're going, oh my goodness. Yeah, it does work. It works. God is faithful. He does it. And so then I come along all fired up. Yay, we're going to have a great time. People are going to get healed uh, because you've been reading the stories. Uh, I encourage you, read the stories. If you're not reading the stories in the scripture, read the stories. Just read the stories. And if you've got a story, tell your story. Because it encourages others. I, I, I love this. It's something that uh, Bill Johnson's very big on, is t the power of testimony. Um, you probably already know, but, but you know, their um, uh, committee meetings, 
their staff meetings begin with half an hour of testimonies. And what a great way to start a staff meeting. No, not straight into the business and the agenda. And they, they, let's, well, they do the first 30 minutes of testimonies, stories. Let's give glory to God. What's God been doing this week? And I love that. So um, I, I'd just been reading about that and I thought, this is very cool. So we, we were doing a school of healing in Nepal and one of the things we do if we can is to send people out in the second, after the second uh, afternoon to go out and find some sick people to go and, and heal them. And so notice I say heal them, not pray for them. Another com a thing that Bill says is um, they get what they come for. If they come for prayer, they get prayer. If they come for healing, they get healing. So you get what you come for. Um, we'd sent these people out to go and uh, heal the sick, and they were on the way to a village where there was a girl, lady, who had been paralyzed for five years. And uh, so on their way, they met another lady who was obviously um, in suffering and in pain, and they laid hands on her and God healed her just straight away. So that was all cool. So then they get to the village and they find this lady who's lying down on the bed. And, um, and they also realize that she's partially sighted. So they thought, well, we'll start with the eyes. So they put hands on the eyes and her eyes were open and she got healed. So then she gets up and starts walking around the house. She hasn't walked for five years. Now her husband was in the house, and he was not a believer, um, but he was deaf, and so he, he, he wanted his ears done. So they laid hands on his ears, God healed his ears. So then, then he, he was interested in giving his life to Jesus, so they led him to Christ. So that wasn't a bad afternoon. So I, I um, in the next school of healing, I was telling this story because I was just excited about this testimony, you see. And there was a lady sitting here in the front row. She was actually feeding a baby, because that's how things go in Nepal. And you have to kind of look the other way. Um, and, and while I was telling the story, and we were praying for each other, God healed her right eye. The doctor had told her only a few days earlier that she would never see again out of her right eye. God completely healed her right eye and she was able to close her left eye and she could see and was able to read. So that was pretty cool um, because of the testimony. But here's the bit that really gets me. She got up and started telling her story because I said, come on, tell us what, tell the people what happened. And she gets up and starts telling the story. And while she's telling her story, we only found out the next day because he didn't tell us until the next day. There was a, a guy at the back, an older man, who was also blind in the right eye. And as she was telling her story, he got healed. There is power in testimony. So, yeah, flag it up. Make a, make a big deal out of, out of testimony. We can do whatever the Spirit can do if the Spirit is living on us as long as we have faith in Jesus. That's the condition. Have faith in Jesus and you can do what the Spirit can do. If the Spirit can do it, you can do it. And suddenly this, this verse is powerful. So that's really what I wanted to look at. Um,
But just before, how many of you young people are going to slip away in a minute? You're going to get a year. Um, would you like, if, you, if you're going to run away, for, would you like to just stand up? Because I'd like to pray for you. Is that okay? You young folk, thank you for coming in. It's been really good. As we were worshipping and you guys were leading, I'll tell you what was in my heart. I thought, faith in Christ is alive and well in New Zealand and in the city because you guys love the Lord. And it, and it blessed me and I thought, praise God. You know, um, Us oldies can re retire quietly and leave it over to you guys.